0: Every day we take our lives into our own hands when we consume vitamins and supplements. By not knowing the right ones to take or when, we could be doing a disservice to our health or even worse, could be endangering it. Welcome to your daily dose with Doreen Doucette. Now you have a resource to help you use supplements, vitamins, and natural health more safely and effectively. Here is your host, Doreen Doucette.
1: Good morning and welcome to your daily dose. I've had several people messaging me requesting that I talk about a lesser known and used but very beneficial oil, that being castor oil. Most of us will know this oil only for its laxative effects, and many elder people remember having to, to have taken it at certain times throughout their childhood, and they make a terrible looking face now when the oil's name is mentioned. This is due to its taste and its effects. The castor oil is, however, making a comeback as a very beneficial oil because it has many health properties. Let's look first at what castor oil is and where it comes from. Castor oil is a vegetable oil pressed from castor beans, and it's an oil that is almost colorless to a very pale yellow and has a very distinct taste and odor. It has a boiling point of 595 degrees Fahrenheit. It is an anti-inflammatory and an antioxidant-rich oil that has been used in beauty routines for centuries. Castor oil is an ingredient that's used in a wide variety of household items. That can be from cleaning products right down to paints. It's also being used to treat a range of medical conditions and most notably digestive issues. Castor oil increases absorption in the skin, and it's sometimes used in the treatment of various skin conditions, including dermatosis, psoriasis, and acne. There are also reports of castor oil promoting hair growth, and that would include the eyebrows and the eyelashes. Castor oil has properties that makes it a very useful skincare product, and particularly for the face and the following are some of the ways that it can be very beneficial. If someone has acne, because of the antimicrobial and the anti-inflammatory properties of castor oil, it's very useful for reducing acne. It can actually inhibit the growth in the bacteria that causes the acne. The texture of your skin. Castor oil is very rich in fatty acids, and these can enhance the softness and the smoothness of the skin when it's applied to the face. Your complexion. The fatty acids that the castor oil has can also promote the growth of healthy skin tissue, so it makes it beneficial in restoring uneven skin tones. People with sensitive skin. Castor oil will be very unlikely to clog the pores in the skin, so it helps to reduce the risk of developing any blackheads. It's very inexpensive. Since most skincare products, particularly face creams and oils, can be very expensive, Castor oil is relatively inexpensive and it shares many similar properties as the more expensive face creams such as promoting a healthy complexion and adding moisture to the skin. Castor oil is very beneficial for your skin. Being the anti-inflammatory, castor oil has properties that makes it useful for treating irritated skin. Because of the antimicrobial in it, It can also protect the skin from bacterial infections. Castor oil contains triglycerides which can help maintain moisture in the skin making it very useful in a treatment for dry skin. Hydration. Castor oil can draw moisture from the air and bring it into the skin so that's going to keep your skin much more hydrated and it's very beneficial for cleansing. The triglycerides that are found in the castor oil are also helpful in removing the dirt from the skin. Now this time of year with many of us when we're outside working in our gardens or enjoying the beaches, you might need to treat a sunburn. So here's an easy and inexpensive recipe to treat with. You can mix the castor oil in equal parts with coconut oil and apply it to the sensitive areas. It's going to reduce the inflammation and pain very quickly, and it makes your skin feel wonderful. Now, with more and more people becoming aware of alternative treatments for their health care, it's not really surprising that castor oil eye drops are making their way back into the mainstream. Now, I've recommended this treatment for many occasions to my clients who suffer from dry, red, or itchy eyes, as well as painful eyes. Now, for these issues, its healing benefits can often be noted instantly with the first application. The most common uses of castor oil for eye issues are the following. For dry, itchy, irritated, and or red eyes. For allergy-affected eyes. Any eye infections, it's very good. If you have any inflammation in the eye, the castor oil eye drops are going to reduce the inflammation. If you have a sty. It's very good for that. It's wonderful in the use of pink eye. If you have any broken blood vessels in the eye, it's going to help reduce that. Any scar tissue on the eye. If you have cataracts or glaucoma. If you note that you have wrinkles around your eyes, castor oil is going to be very beneficial for that. Many of us will have under eye circles. Castor oil again. If you have thin, dry, or sparse eyelashes, the castor oil is going to help with that as well. When it is used properly and in the right context, the eye drops are very safe, they are gentle, and they are effective. And as you see, they can be used for a wide range of eye disorders. It's also very effective in treating more severe issues, such as the cataracts and the glaucoma that I mentioned earlier. But you need to keep in mind that these are considered severe and chronic disorders so it's going to take longer to notice any changes that are taking place there's also times when you would need to avoid castor oil eye drops so like everything else it comes with contraindications so here are some of the indications that you would not use it it should it should reduce redness and irritation of the eye not create it so if you have redness or irritation that occurs after the application, you need to stop the use. Now, a small amount of blurriness is going to be natural after the application of an eye drop because the castor oil is thick, but it should not last more than a few minutes. So, if the blurry vision lasts long term after you have applied it, then you need to stop the use. If you're a user of contact lenses, You should only apply the castor oil at night after the lenses have been removed. It's best to wait about 8 to 12 hours before using the contact lenses again. Now, with any serious eye condition, you should always consult with your doctor or your healthcare practitioner before using. Now, this is even more important if you've had a previous eye surgery or if you're on any prescription eye drop medication. So if you have had eye surgery, you should typically wait at least one month before using castor oil eye drops. But first, always consult with your doctor before starting the use. You need to avoid using castor oil at the same time as any other eye drops, and this includes any over-the-counter eye drops. So if other eye drops are needed, you should allow about 6 to 12 hours time frame between the use of a castor oil eye drop. And using any other eye drop. And again, if you experience any irritation with this the, in a prolonged time frame, the castor oil needs to be discontinued. Do not discontinue any prescription eye drops without consulting your doctor first. Now I've also used the castor leaf, um, and I've used that to make warm abdominal packs for pain. Since the castor plant can be grown in many areas, even though it's native to Africa, India, China, and Brazil, we can grow it in many of our climates in the summertime, and we can take the leaves and we can use the leaves for for nice nice pain packs. There's some uses of castor oil for people, um, but there's also some treatments for animals that castor oil is very beneficial for as well. And just a couple um, that I've listed because I found these and I've used these from Juliette de Clay Levy's book called Herbal Handbook for the Dog and Cat. One of them is abscesses. And I made a poultice that was in her book. And the poultice can be made by macerating three cloves of garlic. And you stir this into two ounces of castor oil. You want to put this mixture into a small jar and cover it with a loose cover. Put the jar in a pan of cold water and bring this to a slow boil until the garlic becomes quite soft. Then you take a piece of cotton and wring it out with hot water and you pour some of the garlic oil mixture onto the cotton. Make sure that it's not too hot and then you can wrap this over the abscess and you'll notice that the abscesses will quickly drain and they they quickly heal as well. And I've used this many times on my Rhodesian Ridgebacks. Um, I've also used this on people who have presented to me with abscesses or boils, and it works very, very well. If you have baldness, now there are some there are some specific breed of dogs that um, that they're prone to to having some baldness, and this can be cleared up quite easily as long as it's not a serious state of baldness. You only have to take warm castor oil and massage it well onto the bare areas. This can be made more effective if you add just a few drops of eucalyptus oil to the castor oil. Now, mind you, this again can also be safely used for people who have thinning hair or some hair loss because, again, the castor oil is very beneficial for the hair and the scalp. Now, because castor oil is very thick, it can take time for the skin to fully absorb it. But if you dilute the oil, it can promote absorption into the skin and it's going to, it's going to make your skin, it's going to absorb into the skin much more quickly. You can dilute castor oil with olive oil at a ratio of one to one. Should you prefer to use another type of oil to dilute with, the quantity of castor oil is still going to remain the same and it's going to be one to one when you mix it. Castor oil is, again, relatively safe, but like most anything else, it can cause some side effects or allergic reactions, and some of those can be skin rashes, swelling, and itching. Now, anyone who experiences an allergic reaction to castor oil should seek medical attention. Don't just leave it. Skin irritations and the development of rashes are the most commonly reported side effects, but here's a few other contraindications of castor oil that you need to know about. Again, it's generally considered safe, but it can cause adverse effects and it can cause unwanted side effects. So some of them, one very important one, of course, it can induce labor. So it's used a lot by medical professions to induce birth. And this is this has been years ago. It's not used right now for this. But for this reason, women at any stage of pregnancy should avoid consuming any castor oil. Of course, it causes diarrhea. Now, while this can be an effective way to reduce constipation, you may get diarrhea if you take too much. So you need to remember that diarrhea can cause dehydration and electrolyte imbalances. So you don't want to be overdoing it with the castor oil and in the end having electrolyte imbalances. So... Because it can cause allergic reactions when applied to the skin, you first should try applying a very small amount to a tiny patch of skin to see how your body is going to react to it, especially if you've never used castor oil before. I've had some of my clients that uses skincare products that contain castor oil, and they've used them for several months without any reactions at all. And then, a few months down the road, they start to have reactions, and it can be from the castor oil so you have to be aware that you know even even in the beginning if you notice that there's no reactions at all should you have reactions down the line stop using the castor oil and see if it is that see if you've become sensitive to it right now I'm going to take a break and when I return I'm going to talk about the beautiful lupin flowers that are now in bloom in the fields and along the road signs stay tuned I'll be back
0: Visit Doreen's website at dmurphyduset.com and click the radio tab to purchase your supplement and dosha questionnaire. It will allow you to know your body dosha and what supplements, vitamins and minerals your body requires at any given time. You'll receive a report by email that gives you all of the required information. You'll learn which foods give you your required supplements and you have the option to purchase your report in printed book form and have it mailed directly to you. Visit dmurphyduset.com today.
1: We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are, at home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa.
0: Hey, Google.
1: Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. Follow us on Twitter at Voice TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America
0: TRN. You are listening to Your Daily Dose. If you have a question for Doreen Doucette or her guest today, feel free to send an email to DoreensDailyDose at gmail.com. Now, back to Your Daily Dose.
1: Every year when we see the beautiful lupins in bloom along the roadside and in some fields, we know summer has finally arrived. When I was young, my cousin Peggy would, would visit for the summer from Massachusetts and we would walk to each other's houses. Along the way, I remember we would grab at the base of the lupin flowers. We'd pull up and take all the flowers off of the stalk. We would throw them up in the air for a lupin flower shower as we were walking along, or sometimes we'd just throw them each other at each other during our walk. I remember her grandfather would also wait until the flowers would go into seed, and he collected many of these seeds to plant at his property. How the lupin arrived in Nova Scotia was never a thought that entered our minds at that age, or if they had any other use other than what we were using them for. I decided to look into this little flower that grows so well on the roadsides because I've had no idea of their history. Where they came from, or very much else about them. Now, I found the following article on a site called Maritime Monsters and Weird Stories, and I was so shocked because I've lived in the Yarmouth area of Nova Scotia my entire life, and I've had no idea about the following story of the lupin. It reads as follows The lupin is endemic in Nova Scotia. It is found almost everywhere. They bloom in early summer for roughly two to three weeks. What you may not know, though, is that all of the lupins in Nova Scotia came from a single planting in Yarmouth. This is, of course, until the 70s when they were sold as garden plants and they spread from there too. A Dutch woman, Miss Phoebe Robbins, brought the seeds from Holland and planted them in the Chebogue region. And from there, they spread throughout the countryside and across the province. End quote now these this is just one of the little things that that I don't know that happens in my own backyard because we look elsewhere all the time why we do that no clue lupin is actually the common name for several annual or perennial herbaceous plant species and they belong to the pea family there are between 200 and 500 lupin species and the seeds from most lupins are poisonous now remember not all All lupins are poisonous, just some of them. Some of them, such as the Balkan species, are cultivated by humans for food. And the Balkan species actually grows in Europe and South Africa, and they do cultivate it for its edible seeds. Now here in Nova Scotia, we have two main strains of lupins. We have the blue lupin and the white lupin. Now these have very strong tap roots that can break up hard pan soils and loosen heavy clay soils. The wild lupins contain alkaloids which make them unpalatable to insects and other pests. There are some new alkaloid-free or sweet strains of lupin as they are known, and they can be used as livestock feed, but they're not really as hardy as our old strains. The lupins can build up sandy and worn out soil by improving soil structure and they pull up the nutrients from deep within the soil. And that seems to be why they can survive so well along the roadsides. The lupins' history stretches back over 2,000 years. They were cultivated by the early Egyptian civilizations and were also promoted by the Roman agriculturalists for their role in soil fertility. The lupin's protein and fiber-rich beans were a staple of the diets of many of the early civilizations, especially in the Mediterranean. Now, when I'm talking about the bean, I'm referring to the seeds of the lupin, and they will appear after the flowers die off, and they are in a pod that looks very similar to an actual pea pod. However, the lupin pod has much more sort of hairy, it's a hairy feeling to it. Now, little did I know The lupin has many health benefits, some of which are as follows. They're very good for digestive health. The lupin beans are extremely high in dietary fiber, and this keeps waste moving through our bodies. The fiber is also a prebiotic, and it has been shown to promote the growth of good bacteria in the intestine. As I said, they are very high in protein. Proteins are the main building blocks of the body, and and that is, of course, used to make our muscles, the tendons, the organs, and the skin. And a 30 gram serving of lupin beans provides about 10 grams of a very high quality plant-based protein. They're very good for heart health. Lupin protein extracts have been shown to help relax blood vessels, which in turn is going to help to lower your blood pressure. The lupin beans are also high in many heart-healthy minerals, such as your magnesium, the potassium, and iron, and it has a lot of antioxidants that will protect the heart from damage. They're very good for pregnancy health. Lupin beans are extremely rich in folate, and this is a critical nutrient for pregnancy health. It's recommended that women consume at least 600 micrograms of folate during pregnancy, And just one serving of the lupin provides 360 micrograms of folate. Plus, along with the high quality plant protein and fiber, it has vitamins B and many minerals that all contribute to a very healthy baby. So this just may be why this little lupin bean has turned into our next health craze. This one gluten-free plant-based complete protein, and by complete protein, we mean it contains all nine essential amino acids. It's now making waves across the health and wellness sector. Now, even though you may not have heard too much about it right now, here's what you're going to need to know about the lupin. The seeds are technically legumes. And they share some common characteristics with chickpeas, soybeans, lentils, and peas. It's a very popular crop in Australia, and about 85% of the world's supply is harvested from there. Now, when prepared for consumption, lupin sort of looks like a cross between corn kernels and lima beans, and they have very little taste. They will actually take on a lot of the taste from whatever they're going to be cooked with. The lupin bean is a very good source of nutrients and vitamins and minerals, some of them being, of course, protein, manganese, copper, phosphorus, iron, vitamin B9, magnesium, zinc, and vitamin B1. Now, if the lupin hasn't broken out in your part of the world just yet, it is enjoyed in various other parts of the world, one of them being like Spain, where you can find it in bars and amongst a spread of tapas. The lupin most often is soaked in bowls of salt before eating it. So like peanuts, you're going to be drinking more beer while you're consuming them. In in some parts of South America, the lupin is smoked or roasted very similar to how peanuts would be prepared. Now, even though the lupin it hasn't made it to the next phase of the health craze, it's never really broken on, on through to the major holistic alternative places. And if you're wondering why, it might just be that like so many other of the legumes, the lupin can take quite a long time to properly prepare. It can usually take several hours on a low boil before us, us humans can pop a handful of them into our mouths. There are, however, companies making lupin flour. And this type of flour is gluten free and it is vegan. It's very high in protein and it is a dietary fiber. Now, each one quarter of a cup contains only one carb and it's very high in antioxidants. So, since the lupin flour has been consumed for centuries, it's becoming more popular now to use in the ever-popular keto and low-carb diets and baking recipes. Now, there are many recipes out there on on how to use lupin flour and what other flours that you can combine it with. There's still some things that you're going to need to watch out for in the way of safety. So like everything else, um, some things in moderation, some things you have to really watch out for, you're going to be sensitive to them or if you're going to have any allergies to them. So there's many varieties of lupins. I I really don't recommend that you just go out and pick any lupin that's growing along the roadside. And like I said, many of them are poisonous. You're better off to look for lupin beans with other canned beans and legumes in a well-stocked supermarket. And you may also find them pickled or they could be in a jar or vacuum sealed or in a vacuum sealed bag um, and they can be ready to eat. If you're going to be choosing canned lupin beans, you need to check on the sodium content of the can first because most of the beans could be soaked in a salt water solution to rid them of any bitterness that they may have. They're going to retain quite a lot of salt. So, between finding them on the store shelves and looking at your at your um, lupin flour that you might be able to use, you really have to take into consideration that the lupin is a legume, just the same as a peanut is a legume. So it's very possible for people with any peanut allergies to have a very similar reaction to the lupin bean. You must take care because we have many people and we have many children now that are allergic to peanuts or peanut butter. So, Make sure that you, you're you understanding what you're, what you're purchasing or what you're looking for and that, yes, the lupin is a legume. Look to your holistic practitioner and find out what's going to be best for you um, and, and take it from there and stay safe with this. That's all my time for today. I'm going to be back next week. So until then, everyone, stay safe. Stay well, stay healthy.
0: Thank you for joining us for your daily dose. Be sure to tune in again next week on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for another edition with your host, Doreen Doucette. We'll see you then.